Welcome back to Locked Women's Basketball. You are listening to episode 15 of our WNBA Retrospect series, a historical look back at the greatest draft prospects in league history. Today, we'll discuss Jewel Lloyd, one of the best shooting guard prospects in WNBA history. Locked Women's Basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win! You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. You are Locked Women's Basketball. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. My name is Andrew Cruz. I'm your Saturday host covering the NBA draft and prospect scouting. I'm joined by co-host M. Adler and Lincoln Schaefer. M. covers the WNBA with a focus on the player development and the game within the game. Lincoln is our biomechanics guru and contributes to our WNBA draft coverage at the next. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more right now. New customers can bet $5 to get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. All right, so our conversation subject today is Jewel Lloyd out of Notre Dame. Lloyd averaged 17 points, 5.7 rebounds, and 2.4 assists across three seasons in South Bend before becoming the number one overall pick in the 2015 draft to the Seattle Storm, declaring as a junior. Without further ado, M, let's talk about Lloyd's prospects. The first thing that you notice about Lloyd is how smooth of an operator she is at just about everything. Like, if you want a guard to do something, and it's if you want a guard to do something other than, you know, run an entire half court offense, Jewel does it and does it real well. You know, she's super smooth with it. Her 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 catch and shoot threes are just immaculate. The form is what you picture being on every basketball highlight reel. Her ability to beat people off the dribble, to hit some wild finishes, to really feel her spots in the mid-range, to stop and pop. It's so good. And she has really, really good athleticism to match. You know, everything here is super projectable. She is... I th- the only player that I think she ever took the court against who was even in the same stratosphere as her in terms of just straight line speed was Mariah Jefferson, you know, and then that just translates into everything. What I talked about with the smoothness, it's how quickly she gets into her form and how quickly she pulls up and how the, everything is so very stable. And it's, and it's just, it is just impossible to read what she's going to do, whether it's a pull-off, whether it's a drive, it's the footwork in the midair that just comes down perfectly. This is someone who was born to play basketball. Yeah, and Hunter, you mentioned 17 points a game at Notre Dame, but in her two years as the first option in the Notre Dame offense, that number skies up over 19 points per game after Skylar Diggins-Smith graduates. Uh, Yeah, like Em said, the first thing you notice is just how composed she is. She's never rushed. She's never going at any pace other than her own. And even though she's in this kind of, like, controlled almost three-quarter speed most of the time, she still has incredible burst and, like, just a really creative finishing package that allows her to navigate through the trees and make plays uh, um, in the paint with other players who are much larger than her. And the thing that you don't see very often in terms of, you know, players who are this smooth of an operator uh, as a guard as well is just 
the fact that, you know, not only is she just not making many mistakes on the offensive process, you know, if she does, she usually just pulls it out as opposed to, you know, forcing a, a passing window open. Defensively, no, really very few to no, little mistakes at all either. She has excellent instincts for, you know, one pass away help, which is really what you look for when you have a, you know, basically a, just a, a bang on two guard. Um, you know, her stunts, her digs, her off-ball communication, her ability to fight mismatch. You know, one at her switch, but if she gets switched on, she's really active fighting mismatches. She doesn't foul much, but she's really good contesting drives. There's, there's frankly very, very little you can ask for of a player who, you know, is clearly at least, you know, a very, a, who clearly is at least or second best, you know, point of attack guard defender at like a professional scale and also is providing very plus help for a guard. Yeah, for me, she was maybe more impressive, or it was I was more surprised by her off-ball offense. If anything, mm -hmm. I thought elite cutter. Um, we're now in the we're now in the more of the synergy era, and, and whenever she was <laughs> a senior, uh, she had ninety-third percentile as a cutter. That was her third most common play type. That was a big part of her game. There was a game against Florida State. It was, it was the ACC championship, I believe, for the semifinals. She had maybe three or four backdoor cuts in like a five to six minutes window. Like she just kept going bang, bang, like backdoor cut on Florida State. Never made any different adjustments to it. Mm -hmm. And against someone like Jewel Lloyd with with everything she can do off ball um, and also on ball, just super tough to guard. And like you guys covered pretty much a complete score in every way. Um, and along with her off ball abilities, I thought she had some pretty crazy offensive rebounds too. Like just oh, she has, she had really good vert for her height. It's kind of right. it's Absolutely. kind of. I mean, we're we're in the era of players who you know this like sort of like the 2015 2016. You get like a you get like a run of like a bunch of players who are like have ridiculous verts for their height. Yeah. And what did you guys think about? Um, someone will talk about like prospects of this way. Is their efficiency? I think that was like the probably the main thing with Lloyd. She was like thirty percent shooter as a senior or as a junior in her last year. Uh, what did you guys see? Because for me, even though she was a thirty percent shooter, I bought the shooting like more than anything. I wasn't had had no major concerns with the mechanics. Really? Her, yeah, her her last season there is the only season she shot under thirty nine percent from three, and. <laughs> She's, it's it's it's, a, it's the only season that, sh that that her shooting percentage would not be rounded to forty percent. Exactly. Yeah, and the, the degree of difficulty on the shots that she's taking is absurdly high. Mm -hmm. Especially her final season at Notre Dame, she's being face guarded, seeing a lot of double teams, and just in in not in positions to get easy looks very often. So she's getting these really difficult shots that you assume she's going to get easier shots at the next level, and you see that happen. She mm -hmm. is able to score a little bit more efficiently. She still doesn't get to the rim as much as you would want for a, an athlete of that level. But, yeah, I, I don't have a ton of worries about the shooting. I think there's a little bit of some mechanical cleanup to be done, especially in the pull-up three, but it's, mm -hmm. it's small things. It's small things. Yeah, and I think as far as you know, all the mechanics, as as Langan said, it's it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty bang on. With what you were saying about the cutting, and I think this connects pretty well. It's not just how lethal she was on the back cuts, and you know, really feeling out when to flash middle, whether it's against man or zone, and all those sorts of things. It's also that she she's not perfect, but she is really good, uh, and has really good instincts for lifting and drifting along the perimeter, and not even just 
you know, moving from, let's say, the wing to the corner. It's making those sort of micro adjustments into and out of passing lanes that really maximize your ability to get set quickly to move into the catch as opposed to moving the catch into you that allow you, you know, to have the smoothest footwork possible that allow you to get off your shot as quickly as possible. You know, her college career did not overlap with Katie Lou Samuelson, but, you know, because of the future episodes that we're going to be doing here, I was watching some UConn film that in, that includes some Katie Lou Samuelson. I talked about this with Lincoln last night, actually. Jules three-point mechanics with, you know, Lincoln, what you were saying about the degree of difficulty, it's almost the exact opposite of Lou, where Lou's hop into her three-point, you know, some people take hops into the three-point shots. It's not, you know, in a vacuum, it's not a good thing and no one should do it. Sometimes it's fine if you're, at, if you're like Ashley Jones, for example. But, you know, with Lou, the way her footwork works is she basically hops on her left foot twice in a row in such a way that it severely limits her ability to shoot quickly and to generate power on her shots. With even though she moves pretty well around the perimeter, with Jewel, it's the exact opposite, where she is such she is just so smooth moving into the catch that it allows, you know, it's a technically it technically looks like a high degree of difficulty, but in reality, you know, she's just able to He's so comfortable and the, you know, the power transfer is just so smooth into these shots that it really reduces the amount of time that she needs to get them off. As far as the efficiency point, you know, I think, you know, I, I have no qualms about the three-point shot. It's weird that she suddenly loses about, you know, 10 percentage points off of it. But, you know, you have a good sample size. She is still an excellent free throw shooter. So it's, 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 I think it's hard to say that there's really anything there just other than maybe this is just someone who might have a little more volatility but you know the baseline's still a very high level shooter i in terms of the overall efficiency you know the the numbers look good as they are you know her two point percentage is over 45 percent every season uh her junior her not junior her sophomore year stats are kind of insane when you talk about her two-point shooting but you know as lincoln mentioned she really just doesn't get to the rim she basically just does not get to the rim at all and it she has such a good feel for the mid-range that it doesn't matter a whole lot. But when you sort of compound that with the fact that she doesn't draw fouls much, she doesn't look for contact, and, you know, she's a good finisher, but she seems to have a tendency where, you know, she prefers to try to actually finish the shot, even if it makes for a harder degree of difficulty, rather than try to just draw the contact and get to the line. And I think for me, you know, we'll talk about this when we get to the grade in our next segment, but for me, that's one of the things where I look at when I think about scale, when I think about how high the floor is, and it's it's a little concerning. It it it's not bad, but it does cap for me how how in I can be on the efficiency. All right. So after the break, we'll get into our scouting grade on Lloyd. But first, let's talk about FanDuel. Snap into NFL action this season with FanDuel, Fan, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've ever been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOnNBA and visit to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel's official partner, official partner of the NFL. Welcome back. I'm your host, Sunder Cruz, and thanks for joining us. Let's get back into our scouting grade on Lloyd, solely based on the film we watched prior to her WNBA career, taking into account the current state of the league rather than a current emphasis on team-building philosophies. But as as we mentioned, 
we're getting now into more modern modern day WNBA, more modern day schemes, um, and that's going to reflect our grades as well. So we ha- we use a base of like 2080 scouting scale. 40 is an average WNBA contributor. 45 is a top end backup. 50 is if 50 is your average starter. 55 is an above average starter. 60 is an all star caliber player. 70 is an all WNBA caliber player. And finally, 80 is reserved for your MVP candidates. Um, basically first team all WNBA on a perennial basis. So first I'll turn it to you, Lincoln, for your scouting grade of one, Lloyd. Yeah, for me, I'm a full grade higher on Jules' defense than her offense. Yes, I think that she projects as like an all W level defender from a pretty early time in her career. So if it was just based off of watching her defensively, I would give her defense a 70 grade, like a full all W defense. Uh, And I'm a little bit lower, mainly on the offensive decision-making. If I Mm -hmm. believed that she was going to get six free throws a game in the WNBA, I would give her a full 70 grade, but, uh, Nothing in her Notre Dame tape screams a bunch of free throws. So I have to go down to like a strong, solid 60. I think her basketball instincts and her basketball IQ is out of this world, but she can just get stuck in this rut of, I need to go take these difficult shots and make plays uh, more difficult than they need to be, which is a little bit frustrating to watch, but she's really good at it. Yeah, and I think we run into that issue. Yeah, I I think we run into that issue that Lincoln specifically described a lot with prospects. And I'll say off the top, like like I said, when you're going in, I have the exact same grade on the overall skill set, or not on the overall skill set, on the offense. I have have a a 60 scorer or off ball threat, whatever, and a 70 defender. You know, defensively, since like a a bang on point of attack defender, your your profile's you know, the high end is the be- is one of the best, you know, number one guard defenders in the league. The low end is still a very good, you know, guard defender who, you know, maybe there are some issues here and there, but there's still plus impact on and off the ball, which you don't get from, which you just don't get from guards defensively. But yeah, for me, it is, you know, some of the things you talked about offensively, the real things for me that, you know, it's less about, you know, it's less about where the ceiling is because we know where the ceiling is we saw what her junior year was and we see you know when she drains a bunch of mid-range shots in a row at Notre Dame and when she's able to you know weave through and get those just crazy finishes but it's sort of where do we where can I feel the low end is and again there it's really hard to find a low end outcome that is higher than just a player who is good at hitting you know who, who who is good at you know shooting threes let's say like Danny Green and also being you know just like a really good back cutter other than that like there is a floor there and it's just that which is a solid contributor but it's not nothing great and it is for me you know the things to bridge the gap between that floor and that ceiling for me are you know being able to consistently get down a hill because it's easier to finish at the rim and it's all it also means that you're not sort of creating your own shots but you're also affecting the rest of the offense through something other than pure off-ball gravity and again she doesn't have that um, and I don't see any reason to think that that will come into her game, even though she clearly can. You know, the finishing is good, but not great. Um, you know, she just takes way too many long pull-up twos instead of either getting downhill. You know, she, she just doesn't have a good feel for getting downhill, and she's a very solid pick-and-roll operator, but I don't see any reason otherwise to, to think that she 
you know, had had more playmaking within her either, just in terms of that processing ability. Again, solid passer, very good floor game. Just that's the, the play. There's just not playmaking here really outside of you know a two man game. For me, that's that is a that's a hard six. Um, I can go high end six as well. I, yeah, I'd say hard six, high end six. It's about where I am with that. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of, yeah, I kind of figured I would be the highest on Lloyd. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah, I have a hard seventy on her. Like I'm, ah. I'm, I'm really in on Drew Lloyd. Pro- probably my favorite prospect from this series, just from an enjoyment standpoint. Maybe her make a hold call, but from her game, I don't have as much concerns about the downhill stuff. Um, mm. Average six free throw attempts per game in her junior year. She took eight or more free throw attempts in 15 games. I thought the finishing, I thought the athleticism was all there for me. The only concern would probably be, like you guys mentioned, was the playmaking for me. I don't mm-hmm. think she's a high-level playmaker, nowhere on the same tier as like Diana Taurasi, for example. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't have her over DT, but I think around that is where I'm at on Jewel. And I, I, be- I believe in a lot of the skills translating. Um, even though she didn't really have a high-volume three, I think um, – as we see with prospects nowadays, you kind of move some of those deep twos into threes, which is uh, what we eventually see with her career. Yeah, and I think this and this and next week, I think are the last are really the last batch of prospects. So Jewel and you know the the, the Stewie led trio of UConn players are really the last trio of players where you know looking at their overall stats is still kind of misleading compared to you know current standards because there are still a, just a whole bunch of npc teams that fill the schedule you know when we get to kelsey plum number one overall pick in 2017 you know there's a lot of it's the pac 12 in the year of our lord 2016 2017 so you know there, there's some stuff in there but at that point you know she's still playing mostly teams when you look at the rosters of players were like oh i know that name she was a first round pick she was a first round pick you have this thing where the baseline just elevates so much somewhere between like it, at least in college it's it it really is somewhere between 2015 and 2017 and you know I, I think that makes it interesting in terms of just trying to consider jewel in the context of watching her against let's say south carolina when asia's there or yukon versus you know trying to contextualize that in the stats all right, so after the break, we'll talk about Lloyd's WNBA career up to this point. We'll also get into some player comp- comparisons. But first, here's a word from our sponsors. All right, so let's get into the player comparison section before we talk about how Lloyd's career has transpired so far. I'll give it to you first, Lincoln. Yeah. Um, she's called the gold mamba and she has more or less, uh, lived up to that. She's, I think outperformed my grade on her. She just had a really, really solid scoring season as the number one option, uh, in Seattle and disagrees the efficiency, yeah, I do. but I think she was bad. she's a, a very, very good basketball player. Yeah. Um, it, there's. In her college game, there's a lot of that uh, Mamba-esque thing. It's kind of 19-year-old Kobe. It's You see the the really, really solid flashes of shot-making, the uh, high degree of difficulty, and the thing that separates Jewel from a lot of other shot-making guards is that defense. She's timing these digs really well. She's a great off-ball helper. She's great... Uh, chasing players around screens and 
is just kind of a menace defensively in a way that a lot of these high-scoring guards aren't. And that's what separates her as a guard prospect who isn't like a singular offensive engine. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have the same comp as, uh, as, as far as the Kobe thing. And I think it, I think it extends even deeper than that. You know, it's not just for me, you know, young Kobe in there. I think it's really a lot of her career, especially in the W has followed not the same trajectory to be clear, but it's the same, you know, concept of how do you factor in the trade-offs between offense and defense? Jules first couple seasons, um, you know, the first one is just a terrible, truly horrendous Seattle team. I don't recommend watching it. Don't don't do that for your own health. Uh, that's the one that earns them stewing. And you know, the, the, her first couple of years in the league too. It's very strange. She just like doesn't know how to shoot threes. I don't really get like she just misses open shots. It's kind of weird. She hits like thirty percent of her threes those two years, and then suddenly remembers how to like shoot threes at like thirty six percent, thirty eight percent the rest of her rest of her career. It's it's almost a very strange career to me for, like, reasons you wouldn't expect, right? It's not like she's super volatile. She's actually incredibly consistent in so many areas. Her shooting, her shooting percentages are effectively, like, within one or two percentage points of each other every year in the W. Her estimated wins above, contrib- uh, above uh, replacement level, whether you're looking at LeBron from B-Ball Index or you're looking for... Uh, by EC from positive residual, it's basically the exact same band every year, like three and a half to four and a half wins contributed based on the environment. You know, it's, this, this is a player who, you know, we are actually in the era. This is the first, I think this is very obviously the first player we talked about in this entire series where this is, this is an era of WNBA basketball where everyone has an adjustment getting into the league. No, NECA did not. NECA was insanely efficient her first, uh, her rookie year in the league. Everyone else that we have talked about, obviously superficial. BG and EDD were stars from the minute they stepped in on the court. BG was obviously going to be EDD, maybe took some people by surprise in that sense. But Jewel, it's a couple years ago the speed. Even Stewie, she was a star her first year, but it's still, it's not the same 2016 to 2017. And I think in that sense, it creates a pretty interesting arc that we can look at just in terms of what that means for prospects that we're looking at here and just how obvious it is that there is this sometime between 2014 and 2015 or 2013 to 2016 sometime in that range there is just a sudden and massive gain in the baseline level of WNBA players and i think that in that uh sense it's actually super impressive i think what Jewel Lloyd does in her career because you know, she i believe is entering or or just finished i believe she's entering her age 30 season right now as we speak and in and in that time she has reeled off i think basically 4 years uh, four of those five or six seasons as, you know, one of the W's best uh, 3&D players of, frankly, all time. Part of that is because I think of the limited depth the W has when we're talking just about 3&D players. But also it's, you know, Jewel is such a plus threat when it comes to Hunter, like you talked about, with the off-ball stuff. When we talk about Elena Beard, you know, this is the same level of thing where it, you know, plays up the skills, but where for Beard, it established sort of a baseline where we can say, you know, it's good enough we can get your defense on the court. For Jewel, it's, she can affect it in so many ways. And it's just so much fun how that plays off of Sue Bird, who is, you know, one of the smartest passers of all time, if not the smartest passer of all time, but also is one of the best off-ball threats in league history. And the way that works with Stewie, I mean, it's just so much fun. Like, like that's the thing about Jewel's career is it's just so much fun to watch. And to circle back to the Kobe point, I think that's what happens. You know, <clears throat> this past year is, you know, 
Jewel of the you know six years since she really came into her own, two of them have been spent without Stewie. That was 2019 when she was basically the the top guard on the team, second uh, second most used score on the team, and she wasn't really in her uh, totally in her own at that point as an on ball threat. And then you had this year, 2023. And again, the efficiency is not great this year. It's not great. She took a pretty notable hit, 30 percentage points of true shooting, basically from her career baseline to this season. But the big thing for me is the, it's the defensive trade-off. You know, she was an all deep. Somehow she hasn't gotten an all defensive award. No one really. No, yeah, Lincoln, I'm surprised too. No idea how that happened. We all thought she would get one in 2021 and then she didn't. But, you know, it is that interesting trade-off. You know, the usage rate skyrockets from basically just last year to this year. And the efficiency goes down a little bit, but also she was a, she was a, a pretty solidly below average to negative defender this year. And I think that's that's the thing people talk about with Kobe, right? Is he did so much offensively, there was basically nothing left to give defensively. And you could see, especially early in his career, when he wasn't taking on that usage, he was a he was a, like good defender, genuinely. And I think that's the interesting thing that happened with Jewel this year is you're running into that sort of conundrum. Uh, obviously, it'd be nice if she went back to what it was before. That requires Seattle surrounding her with more talent. Uh, I think, you know, in terms of my comps for her, just as a prospect, sort of going out of order here. Um, no, I think the I think the more modern one, the more obvious one is I think she's kind of just like a guard version of Ryan Howard, honestly. Like the help contributions are so far ahead of what you'd expect of a player at her position. You know, killer off-ball threat. Uh, comes into her own, or in the case of Ryan, you know, hoping she comes into her own as sort of a pull-up threat. But you know, the the lack of super duper playmaking and the lack of just getting downhill at all really limits uh, sort of the offensive projection. And then you know, for for the other old heads out there, I think it's pretty similar to if Katie Douglas just w was two inches shorter. You know, fun threat in similar ways. You know, Ken Lee is a much better defender than you'd even expect just sort of on the face of it. And yeah, just a fun player, solid number two or number three on a title team. All right. Thanks for making Lockman's basketball your first listen every day. Join the team at the next back next week for continued coverage of the WBA women's basketball as a whole. To recap, our consensus scouting grade on Lloyd was a hard 60, around a 60 grade. Next week, you can join us back on Saturday for a historical scouting report on Brianna Stewart out of UConn. Have a great weekend, everyone.